Easy after all these years. 90.5 WASU, the app FM. Pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Wins the game at the buzzer! Pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship! Elias sends it deep to left! Pagan is there at the wall and it's in the basket! He's got his J-Bag, folks, and the eye of the tiger! It's time for Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU-FM. Welcome to the George G. Beasley Media Complex on this fine Tuesday evening in the high country for another episode of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, Attorney at Law. I'm your host, Lucas Warren, joined every week by Jeff Marson, Kurt Zottel, and Cody Bear. Guys, how we doing? Uh, a lot better than Saturday. We're we're moving we're moving up a little better. Um, uh, we went to practice today. Me and you, Lucas, uh, vibes were were pretty good. It was you know, encouraging to see. It was it was a playlist change that I think you know helped help Much the guys needed. loosen up a little bit. Well, there's a lot more uh, 2010s party music like like Pitbull. Yeah, uh, we Mr. Clo- Worldwide. Yeah, we closed the practice with the Cha Cha Slide. Everyone was in a good mood. So if you're worried about that, don't. Because everyone's in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. Kurt, are you in a good mood? Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> as a App State Commanders <laughs> and Maryland fan, my weekend was a little rough. Um, so, but, you know, like you said, vibes are good for yeah. today. It's a Tuesday. New week. Uh, let's have a great show. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm glad to hear that. That yeah. makes me feel a lot better today because... That's that's impressive to have the team in a good mood after a game like that. Panthers got their first win. So Woo-hoo. let's go. Yeah, it's, it's a lot to be happy about here. You know, we'll get into it more. But like you said, vibes were good. We saw the wide receiver room doing the Cupid shuffle. So it's all sunshine and rainbows up in the high country. But we've got a great episode coming up. We're going to look at. Like we talked about, the Mountaineers' disappointing loss this weekend. Then we're going to take a look around the country at all things football, looking at both college football and NFL Week 3. It's all coming up. But before we do that, we're going to look at all things App State Athletics in the Mountaineer Minute. All right. The weekend kicked off on Friday at 5 p.m. with some action as the App State field hockey team hosted the Central Michigan Chippewas and defeated them handily 7-1, to moving to 1-1 one one in conference play. Later that Friday, the App State volleyball team hosted JMU in a weekend doubleheader. <coughs> Sadly, the Mountaineers struggled with the Dukes, dropping Friday and Saturday's matches 3-0. On Sunday, the field hockey team hosted in-state rival Wake Forest putting up a great fight but eventually losing in overtime 3-2. to two. Later that Sunday, the women's soccer team traveled to hunting West Virginia to take on the Marshall Thundering Herd. Mountaineers entered the match an impressive 2-0 in conference play, but Marshall, looking for their first conference win of the season, was able to find it against the Mountaineers in a tightly contested 3-2 victory. And finally, the women's golf team is competing in the Aggie Invitational while the men's golf team is competing in the J.T. Potson Invitational. 
Both events will wrap up today, so be sure to support all your App State athletics. Now, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap, presented by Eggers, 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 Attorney at Law. The App State Career Development Center is here to support students as you explore career paths, identify and develop skills, and pursue experiential opportunities. With the tagline of Explore, Build, Pursue, the center provides opportunities for students to be empowered to achieve lifelong professional success. As you explore majors and careers, our coaches can help you think about how your goals, skills, interests, decision-making process, and personality type might translate into a career. Get started on your career and professional development journey today. Visit the Career Development Center website at careers.appstate.edu. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents Series welcomes six-time Grammy Award nominee Yola on her Stand For Myself tour. The British singer-songwriter weaves together elements of country, pop, soul, Americana, and gospel. This is a one-night-only event. Yola, Friday, September Eggers Law Firm is a full-service law firm right in the heart of Boone on King Street that attends to matters from business to traffic. They focus on legal services to Watauga County and are fourth-generation app alum serving since 1950. For more information or legal services, you can contact Eggers Law Firm at 828-264-3601. Welcome back to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. The roller coaster ride of emotions has come to an end for now as no dramatics could save the Mountaineers from losing to James Madison 32-28. to Upstate held a 28-3 to lead in the second quarter but was held scoreless in the second half. What is your biggest takeaway from this game? I don't think there's, there's one really. Uh, I think the main takeaway is that it stunk. It wasn't, it wasn't very fun to, to be at the game, but um, offensively, uh, I think I think David Jackson said it on the ESPN Plus broadcast the best. Um, App State didn't just take their foot off the pedal. They left the keys in the car and walked out. You know, They didn't do anything after they built up that lead to you know, try and grow it anymore. They felt satisfied with the 25-point lead, and they got, they got too comfortable for, for what it was. And then defensively, uh, I think we'll talk more about it later but uh some more in-game adjustments need to be made yeah as uh pft commentator tweeted um 28 to 3 is the um you most, know most dangerous most lead dangerous in football. lead in sports yeah mm-hmm. and that obviously was shown into fruition in this game too i agree with you um foot was just off the gas and you cannot score be scoreless for three quarters and expect to win a game i, I know i don't care if you put up 28 points in the second quarter but uh, lots of things went wrong in that second half, and we talked a little bit about it before the air, and I'm guessing we'll talk a lot about that as the show goes on. But, yeah, it was just a terrible weekend. Um, and for App State, like, it just goes to show, like, how deep the Sun Belt Conference is. And we talked about that in James Madison. We knew coming in they're undefeated. It's a tough game. Um, and props to them. They played really well. And in the second half, they made a count and had a great comeback. App State got way too conservative way too early. And it wasn't even just an issue with being up by that much. I feel like we had a lot of the same issues when we saw the Troy game, which was a close game. They were okay with running the ball up the middle, even when it wasn't working, and being stuck with third and long every possession, and that's just not sustainable. 
Yeah, definitely a lot to be disappointed from offensively and defensively from that game. But looking at that defensive side of the ball, I mean, the App State defense looked outstanding against Texas A&M, holding them to just seven points. The other seven, the other touchdown came during special teams. Uh, but they look suspect outside of that game. So how worried are you about this defense and what could they improve on? Not too worried because I feel like we've got you know some opponent opponents coming up on the schedule that they can improve with. Um, the biggest adjustments they have to make are in-game adjustments. In the second half, it was way too easy for JMU to convert these third and fourth downs, especially late in the game. Todd Santeo, we you know talked about it so much on Thursday. He's a he's a mobile guy. We know he can run. By the end of the game, he wasn't even looking to pass the ball, even on pass plays. You know, he's making one read, he see, sees man coverage, and then ran. Yep. He, he didn't do anything to, to try and pass the ball on these these pass plays. It was like a, a Madden offense, that, that but it worked. Uh, like I said, made one read, didn't make a single spy attempt, you know, just man blitz over and over on these third longs, and he just found a way to, to kill us. And then stopping the run, we weren't very good defensively. The chunk plays have to stop. I think we saw another uh, slant that that hurt us a lot. It was a, a couple of deep plays um, that they got from uh, slant routes where we're sending everybody, and you just leave your corners on an island. So need to do that a little less on, especially in these third down scenarios. The yeah, so the third down aggression needs to uh, chillax. Yeah, um, I don't even think we the defense obviously. The second half wasn't great, but we look at before they got that touchdown to end the first half, like we were not worried whatsoever about this defense. They only went up three points, and that came in the first half, first quarter, excuse me. So majority of the second quarter and for the, pretty much all the first half, we were feeling great. But to Jeff's point, not even necessarily with the defense, but the in-game adjustment, um, and you just cannot allow blown leads to happen. Uh, it's unacceptable. And like you said, like we have opponents coming up. The defense should be back to what we were expecting but the thing is though against that Troy game too uh, we were praising this defense for a lot of you know they made mistakes but and they let up 28 points but they had a lot of great performances against Troy um, and there were a lot of still good things about this defense in this James Madison game but overall um, and this will be kind of my biggest talking point throughout the show is just um, you just cannot allow what happened in the second half to occur and like Jeff was saying um, it, it's almost just like a it was just a light switch, and we were feeling so good in the first half. This defense was playing really solid. The offense was clicking, and I, I don't know what happened. I guess it was the touchdown right as the first half ended. The defense just took a huge step back along with the offense. So don't want to put all of the blame on the coaching staff, but I think that allowing that to happen um, and just seeing a big change from both sides of the ball, particularly the defense, uh, just cannot happen against an uh, in-conference rival. At first, their defense looked really good. Trey Cobb made a huge difference really throughout the game. Even stuff that didn't show on the stat sheet, you could just feel his presence on defense, which was huge. An issue was not being able to stop a dual-threat QB, which has been an issue for App State for a really long time. Todd Santeo led James Madison in rush yards with 88 net rush yards, I think. But as these guys kind of mentioned, when you go into the half up by 18, you have to be ready for that team to make adjustments and make adjustments based on their adjustments, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, I also look at the offense's performance in the second half going three and out, three out of their seven drives, and one of those drives being an interception on the first play. 
Uh, a lot of those rushing yards came in the second half. A defense is expected. You're going to get tired as the game progresses. I think they were worn out in that second half. The offense was barely on the field. They were on the field the majority of that second half. But moving forward, looking at that offense, they scored all their 28 points in the second quarter. And this offense has gone cold for long stretches before in the UNC and Troy game. What is causing these, at time, half-long droughts? Um, well, a lot of our points came from good field position. So that, that did help App State a, a ton. You know, first touchdown was a 58-yard drive, second one 22 yards, and then the fourth one was 16 yards. So uh, not too much there for the the offense to uh, write home about. But, I mean, offensively, it's it's the same story every week. It's lack of aggression and predictability. Uh, Cody's said it a couple of times now, just running up the middle. Like, every every play to start a series is it's getting old. you got to mix things up. We need to be more creative with the pass game. We can't wait till third down. Or even second down. I would like to see more first down passes, uh, especially with play action. But, you know, we ran the ball to start every drive in the second half. And then the first time we did pass it, it was picked off. So it's, you know, the the predictability of the play calling has has got to improve. And, of course, the, the running up the middle, especially when it's not working, needs to stop as well. We think we ran 34 times for 68 yards in the game. Uh, that's less than two yards of carry. That's not App State football, and uh, we just got to get better. Yeah, and it just seemed like throughout the course of this game, and we saw it a little bit last year, we've seen it a lot this season, like they're just following a script when it comes to play calling, um, and especially with James Madison coming back in that game. Like You have to go off script in a lot of moments, and it just seemed like they were sticking true to what App State identity is, and I think that's good in some instances, but... Also, you know, it, like you said, it cannot just be the same exact play call, same exact play that we see on every single drive. And it's kind of funny because we saw last year just so many 75, 80-yard drives, lots of throws being incorporated with these long runs. And just this year, I feel like we're just not seeing that as much. Um, but I've also, to answer the original point, like we've seen also so many teams, Green Bay Packers kind of just comes to mind originally where, you know, they get off to such a hot start. Like they can sustain, get points on the board in the first couple drives, and then all of a sudden it just automatically clicks off and they're unable to really do anything as the game goes on. And I don't really know who you blame in that instance. Like I guess the number one thing is, you know, the coaching staff allowing that to happen, but at the same time, like the players – you can't allow that to happen. Like, we've seen this a couple times with App. Now we saw that against Troy, um, and now here against James Madison. And we've seen it all throughout college football and throughout the NFL. Like, we, we say momentum's such a big thing, and obviously it is, but also at the same time, we cannot allow um, just a light switch to change and all the momentum that we had in that first couple minutes, first couple plays just go out the window. A lot of this, mostly all of it, was play calling in the second half. They let this one go. Obviously, second-half drives were turnover on, da- turnover on downs, p- three punts, interception, punt, turnover on downs. James Madison's a good team when it comes to stopping the rush. Before this game, they allowed an average of eight rush yards in their first two games. And you can say what you want about those first two teams, but James Madison's a team that has big guys on defense that like to fill those holes and stop the rush. So when they know that it's going to be a run, you're just making it a lot easier for them. And App State... 
even though the rush game was pretty shut down, they never opened up the playbook until they were down. And then you're telling Chase Bryce, hey, you've thrown the ball three times in the last 20 minutes. Go win us this game. And that's a lot to ask. Yeah, I think it's definitely what you got some Kurt. Oh, I was just going to say, like, and that's what we have been saying, like, it just they followed the script throughout like the whole game and then like like you said at the end it almost just feels like they're just scrambling to get something going and we talked about in that Troy game like it's so bizarre at the end of the play like we want off that Hail Mary but we couldn't sustain a 30-yard drive to get into field goal position like at some point you're gonna have to just not follow what the identity is to this team and I just don't know when it's gonna come. Yeah, and right before that, the drive stalled out at the goal line. So we hadn't scored before that Hail Mary in that quarter, yeah. in that fourth quarter. But if you look at, like you said, Cody, JMU is a very good running team. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes it is good to be a deliberate offense, especially when you are protecting a lead. But when you're facing a team like JMU who can stop the run and they are stopping the run, you need to switch it up earlier. You can't just continue running it down the middle. And then also, you talked about throwing at Chase Bryce. They couldn't protect Chase Bryce. Mm-hmm. Chase Bryce was under pressure every time he dropped back in that second half. So some of it's play calling. Some of it's just execution. JMU just beat us on the front on a lot of plays. Uh, but looking forward, App State, um, they've had a very exciting, fun year, but they could easily be 0-2 in Sunbelt play right now. On a scale from not worried at all to uh, panic button. Where are you guys sitting right now? I mean, yeah, they're a few plays away from being 0-4 just yeah. overall on the season. But even then, I'm I'm still on the nothing-to-worry-about side. You, you know, you got a stretch coming up where you should be 4-0. The Citadel at home this weekend. Then you got Texas State the next weekend. Georgia State on a weeknight game. They, that should be a win as well. And then Robert Morris the the week after. So that should be four games where you're you're winning. Com- I won't say comfortably for Georgia State, but you should be winning three of those games comfortably, and you should be getting some guys back from injury. Hopefully, you stay healthy in that stretch. But you know, if you're six and two going into a game against or going into the back to back with Coastal and and Marshall, you know, I th- think you're in a good spot. Um, these, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say tune up games, but they're they're kind of they kind of act as as tune up games for those two because. They're going to be tough, as we know. So I'm not too worried just yet. We'll find out more in the coming weeks just how worried we should be. But as of right now, I'm not too worried. I'm not super worried either. Um, Sean Clark's talked about it, how this goal is still right in front of them. They want to win a Sun Belt championship. That is still very possible of occurring. Um, but I'm worried, obviously, like you mentioned, like we still have to play Coastal Carolina, Marshall on the road, which two teams that have obviously been very good in years past and we don't always match up. Well, we got the wins last year, but it came down to the wire against those two teams. But I agree. Um, you know, we still are two and two. We could be zero and four, and we could be zero and two to start conference play. But we still got two wins. Like we still beat the sixth best team in the country at the time, um, and that Troy game. It just some things just fall your way, um, and good teams find ways to win. Obviously, we did it for the other two games, but we still are five hundred heading into Sun Belt play, and that's the most important part of the season's conference play um so i'm not feeling too worried about this team but like jeff was saying um a lot will be told in these next couple games that should be winnable games and obviously we're looking at marshall on the road coastal on the road and we all know what happened when we played louisiana on the road last year uh that was a horrible game uh so you hope that that doesn't happen again when we play those two very tough uh sunbelt opponents 
I'm somewhere in the middle, maybe leaning a little bit towards nothing to worry about, but I'm still, you know, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. Two, it was two games with big targets on our backs with Troy and JMU. Um, we know there aren't many cakewalks in the Sun Belt, but if you're going to see one, it probably is Texas State, um, who they play October 8th. So kind of as Jeff said, the Citadel and Texas State especially should be, I'll call it a tune-up game. I think, I think these are games that should be, should be won very easily. And, you know, if App State struggles with Texas State on October 8th, yeah, I'll hit the panic button. But until then, I think these are two big games where you can kind of get things back together and on track. Yeah, I think after last weekend's loss, the fairy tale uh, goals are out of our reach. We're not going to be a highly ranked team. We're not going to go to New Year's Six Bowl, I don't believe. But like you said, Kurt, we could still easily win the Sun Belt. And this is what makes programs like ours successful. One loss doesn't define a season. You get up, you keep moving. A lesser team would take this loss and let it drag out throughout the season. But you could just tell from the vibes of practice that they're moving on. They still have the whole season ahead of them. So before we move on, any last thoughts, anything you got to say about this game? Um, like I said, it was bad. <laughs> it was no fun to, to be at. Um, can never uh you'll never get over losing a game after having a, a 28 to 3 lead i mean i over overheard coach barbe at practice say you know it took him all of sunday to to get over the loss so it, it did hurt our guys it did hurt our coaches but uh i think they they are as you said they're ready to move on and got a, a good opportunity to move on against the citadel on saturday as magical as the first three weeks were i was in there when we were down 32-28, maybe a last second thing could happen. I was like, yeah. is the magic going to continue? I was like, can you imagine if we sustain, like, went off a game-winning touchdown again and everyone goes wild? Um, but like we said in the introduction, like, the magic almost just felt like it ran out. Um, which, uh, you know, we'll go throughout the Sun Belt and kind of go back to what we expected the year to be. Um, should win those games and, like we said, have that magic kind of, you know, not be there as we saw in the first couple weeks. But... That's pretty much it. Like I, I think we'll be fine as the season goes on. Um, it just sucks that, like I said, at the end of that game, I was like, can we get one more opportunity to make something happen? Yeah, and it might kind of help not having that there, you know. The the target's off your back a little bit. You're still up state, so the Sun Belt teams are going to prep for you. You're one of those two or three teams that teams prep for the most in the Sun Belt. But, you know, when the national exposure isn't on you, all the time, it's a little less pressure and opportunity to say, okay, let's just go and play football. And teams aren't looking at you like, if we beat you, we're going to get the exposure. So, Yeah, and you talk about the exposure. For weeks, they've been getting nothing but positive exposure. Now they get a taste of a little bit of negative exposure. I saw Barstool made a shirt 28-3, and then on the back it has the final score. So stuff like that. Might bother some players, some coaches, get you playing a little bit harder. But that's going to do it for our App State segment. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. The App State Career Development Center is here to support students as you explore career paths, identify and develop skills, and pursue experiential opportunities. With the tagline of Explore, Build, Pursue, the center provides opportunities for students to be empowered to achieve lifelong professional success. As you explore majors and careers, our coaches can help you think about how your goals, skills, interests, decision-making process, and personality type might translate into a career. 
get started on your career and professional development journey today, visit the Career Development Center website at careers.appstate.edu. The Watauga County Farmer's Market is now open every Saturday morning through November. This year, the Watauga County Farmer's Market has extended its open hours until 1 p.m. Boone's Town Square since 1974, this 100% producer-only market offers local produce, meats, flowers, and crafts, plus live music, food trucks, and cooking demonstrations. Open every Saturday at 8 a.m. and now open until 1 p.m. Located on the Horn in the West Drive in Boone. As a longtime supporter, Anna Bananas congratulates WASU-FM on serving as App State's college radio station for 50 years. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome back to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, week four of college football. Saw a lot of interesting games. Two top ten teams fell to lower-ranked opponents. A few championship contenders faced their first challenges of the season. And some undefeated teams solidified their standings with key wins. What outcome surprised you guys the most from this weekend? No, there's there's a, a few upsets to choose from, but I'll go with Kentucky uh, this week at home. Only won by a, a possession against Northern Illinois, who's a <laughs> a scrappy MAC team. But it, it's a game where you expect Kentucky to blow them out of the water. Maybe Kentucky, maybe caught looking ahead towards you know other games. They've got Ole Miss this week on the road, so maybe looking ahead to that. But I'm still surprised that. You know, it took them a while to really break through against Northern Illinois. Uh, they were tied going into halftime. It's a little bit concerning. Uh, they were 26.5-point favorites and only won by eight. So I'll go with Kentucky. I'll go with Middle Tennessee State over Miami. Uh, Miami paid them millions of dollars to come down to uh, Miami and Middle Tennessee. Won by 14 points, put up 45 points in Mario Cristobal's first year there. And Miami thought that was a little bit of a surprise, especially because in their game against Texas A&M, I know they didn't win, um, still put up good things. They, it wasn't like an embarrassing loss, and we know A&M is a good team. They just beat Arkansas this weekend. So Miami, they were ranked 25th at the time, and obviously back out of the AP Top 25 after that performance. I have a couple really cool outcomes. Kansas State beating Oklahoma and Norman, and then Texas Tech beating Texas in overtime. You have two Big 12 teams that were ranked that are leaving for the SEC, and they just lost to two unranked Big 12 teams. So a nice little take that, I guess, which is pretty cool. Yeah, a little uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out from KSU and Texas Tech. That was tough as a Longhorn fan. I was hoping we were turning the corner. We're not going to lose games like that. But you talked about it, Jeff. Kentucky had a battle. So did number four Michigan, number five Clemson, and number seven USC. They were all caught in one possession games this weekend. Did any of those games change how you see those teams moving forward into the season? Uh, it's it is really tough. USC specifically, uh, we talk about them every Tuesday. It seems like, but uh, <laughs> they're one of those that, teams. Yeah, that didn't surprise me on Saturday. The fact that that game was close. Oregon State is better than most people think, and then going on the road playing Pac-12 after dark, never know what's going to happen. So 
I give cred- I give USC credit for actually winning that game. Talked about Kentucky a little bit. Clemson, I'm a little worried about them. Um, they did have a double-digit lead at one point in that game, and then wor- uh, Wake Forest worked their way back. Um, Wake is a team that Clemson usually disposes of easily, uh, even when Wake Forest is, is having their better years. Um, we'll give Sam Hartman and, and those guys some credit, but you know it was a little worrying for for Clemson to uh, give up that lead and then having to fight to get into overtime and just escape with winning. Yeah, as someone who obviously has been critical of USC, I actually applaud them for their game against Oregon State. Jonathan Smith is one of the best coaches I think in the country. He's going to be headline for all those major jobs that are opening up. So I think Oregon State's a team that a lot of people overlook. Winning on the road, we know that's a tough thing to do in college football. Um, so I applaud USC for doing that. I would say Kentucky, for me, um, is the one team I want to worry on. And I, I feel like there's still a lot of people very high on this Kentucky team, even after that Northern Illinois game. Um, Will Levis, as a top NFL draft prospect, he doesn't look like we kind of thought he would, maybe a Heisman-esque season. We just haven't really seen that so far. Um, but Kentucky obviously plays Ole Miss next week on the road. That's going to be a great telling point of who they are, how Ole Miss is. So I'm excited for that game. But I would say Kentucky. And for the other ones, like like we just said, kind of with App State, like that's college football. You can run into trap-esque games. So I applaud those teams for not you know, falling for that and losing, um, even though we've obviously seen some upsets in college football. Generally, I'm a pretty big believer in the fact that close games against teams that you probably shouldn't be in close games against are better for a team than blowouts. It usually gives them a little bit of humility, but also confidence that they can get the gritty wins and pull it out in the end. Um, I think Maryland and um, Oregon State are both very good teams um, that Michigan and USC played, so I think those were impressive wins. Kentucky coming out in that that, that game was obviously way too close. I do think they were probably overlooking them a bit. I'm actually a little more impressed with Clemson now. Jeff, you're right. I mean, they shouldn't have let Wake Forest come back in the first place. But I do think Wake Forest is a very good team. But the reason I think that I'm a little more impressed was because DJ had the best game so far in his Clemson career. He had 371 yards, five touchdowns through the air, another 52 on the ground. And just playing, I mean, he finally looked like a quarterback that could really lead a team to the playoffs. And so I think just because of that reason solely, I'm pretty impressed with Clemson. Yeah, I agree with most of your guys' opinions. I think USC and Michigan, they were playing teams that are respectable. Maryland at home, they were undefeated going into that game. They had a lot of energy. And then uh, obviously Oregon State's a pretty good team. And then Kentucky, yeah, they're probably overlooking them. But I agree with you. Uh, Jeff, I think Clemson, there's some stuff to be worried about. I'd more so give the credit to Wake Forest. I mean, they jumped on them with a 14-0 lead, and that's usually uh, the grave for Wake Forest in those games. But they ended up taking a 21-20 lead, uh, I think, before halftime. So it was a competitive game. And like you said, DJ, he's not the guy I don't think we expected. He's not mm-hmm. as explosive, and he didn't come onto the scene the way we thought. But he's a good quarterback, yeah. and week by week he's getting better. So and that's I, all that I needed to see was him finally improving and yeah. getting to that point. Yeah, no, I mean, Dabo's talked about it. He, he, it's tough when you see guys like uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, who's just lighting the world on fire, but he's a good quarterback. It's just taking them some time. 
And now looking at uh, another team, Tennessee, they probably had the most fun game of the weekend. They outlasted the Florida Gators to move to 4-0. And this is now the, they are now the number eight team in the country. Hendon Hooker and that offense looks great. And they have some big wins under their belt. Looking at teams like Tennessee and other teams who are in that conversation but outside of that main group, is there any team you think has the best chance of slipping into the playoffs out of those teams? Going to stick with my guns, Oklahoma State. Um, that's you can have them in the the group listed here. Um, they're still undefeated, and they've got a bye week this week. But then they've got Baylor on the road. Uh, taking a look at their schedule, that and at Oklahoma are the two toughest games they have left. Actually, at Kansas State as well. Um, so Oklahoma State's a team that's looked pretty good so far. They haven't been tested too much, but we're gonna. Find out more about them next Saturday when they play Baylor. Uh, I'm a believer in Spencer Sanders now. I wasn't at the start of his career, but he's earned my trust. I think he's pretty good. He just needs to stay healthy. And then Oklahoma State's defense is still tough from uh, the team that we saw a year ago. So of of that little group that's kind of outside looking in, but also not a direct contender, Oklahoma State's got the best chance uh, of those teams to win out and potentially go to the playoff? Um, I'll go with two. I think Tennessee has a legitimate shot. Um, one of the best offensive lines in the country. You said it, Hendon Hooker has been unbelievable. Dark Horse Heisman candidate the, plays the way he's been playing. Um, obviously, it's an SEC conference, and they're going to run into the big dogs. But Tennessee, say what you want about Florida, that's a tough game to play. Um, it's college game day. Uh, the vibes are high obviously in Tennessee, so uh, props to them on that one. And Penn State, I know they're going to mess it up somehow because it's always <laughs> Penn State, um, but looking at what they've done so far this season at home, uh, they just played Central Michigan this past weekend, dealt with them, and then obviously we know what happened uh, with Purdue on the road. We know what happened with Auburn on the road. Like They're getting, they're playing legitimate opponents. Um, they're getting wins and they're doing it pretty handily like they're doing what they should be doing throughout the first couple games obviously they're going to run into those big 10 opponents and that's where it's probably going to fall apart for this team but I think Penn State's had a perfect start to the season uh they're ranked 11th right now and I think if wins keep coming their way if they're a one-loss team going into the final week uh then they could potentially find themselves slipping in so I go with Tennessee and Penn State as my couple teams I just wanted to make a quick correction that Oklahoma State Baylor game is this upcoming weekend and not the week after I think Tennessee ends up with two losses at the end of the season Alabama and Georgia I think Kentucky ends up with two losses as well so those it's going to be tough for SEC teams other than Alabama and Georgia to get in I really like Washington but and I think the Pac-12 is actually going to come down to Washington and USC but I think USC is a better team and if you're a two-loss team or even maybe even a one-loss team in the Pac-12 I mean you're, it's only the SEC teams that are going to be one-loss, two-loss teams that gets in. I was actually going to say Penn State, but then I looked at their schedule, and there's only three other ranked teams in the Big Ten, and that's Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, and they have those three back-to-back-to-back <laughs> after they play Sheesh. Northwestern. So somewhere in there, Penn State's got to fall. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma State as well. Very high-powered offense. I can see them winning the Big 12 and getting in because of it. Yeah, Penn State doesn't particularly scare me. They've been in a lot of close games. That offense just isn't explosive, so I could see them definitely dropping a game. 
I agree with you, Jeff. I think Oklahoma State would be my pick. Um, the Big 12 is wide open this year. I thought maybe the Longhorns could make a run at it, but I don't know about that. And we saw Oklahoma fall this week. Oklahoma State looks like the most solidified team in that conference. They were really good last year. They returned a lot of guys. That defense is really good. Spencer Sanders, obviously, like you talked about. So I'm probably leaning Oklahoma State. But I'm going to throw one last segment at you guys just before we switch to NFL. So Earlier this week, I think it was Monday, they announced that Jeff Collins, head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, was fired. We've seen a lot of mid-season firings this year, so there's a very, very like talked-about coaching candidate. He's down in Jacksonville State. I think we all know who I'm talking about, Mr. Sanders. Mm-hmm. And me and Jeff were having a little conversation before, but I just think it's going to be kind of fun. Where would your ideal landing spot for Deion Sanders be with any team, but especially looking at these teams who have a vacancy at the head coaching spot. Yeah, you said it. We talked about it at practice a little bit. I wish Florida State just hired him when they had an opening, but instead they they went with Mike Norvell, which is working out right this, now. Th- this year. It's, yeah. it's taken him a while, but ideally I would have wanted him at Florida State. I think if he ends up anywhere in the SEC, that would be, that'd be dangerous for uh, the rest of the conference. Um, looking at the list, I feel like it'd be fun to put Dion on Texas A&M, especially if things don't work out with Jimbo Fisher. Um, I know Jimbo, on paper, good head coach, um, proved it at Florida State. Um, has had with Texas A&M a couple bad losses. He's known as being the eight and four guy uh, there at Texas A&M. But if things don't work out for Jimbo, um, obviously we know what Texas A&M has done on a recruiting standpoint. Dion Sanders would be excellent as a recruiting head coach. Um, so I think that'd be a fun little spot for Deion Sanders at Texas A&M. Yeah, I think anywhere in the SEC would be fun, but Deion Sanders isn't going anywhere. Um, he's He's been pretty adamant about he wants to stay here with an HBCU school and get big-time recruits to go to HBCU schools. And even if that limits his ceiling a little bit, that's his goal and his project right now. And good for him. I think he should stick with it. And, I mean, it's working. <laughs> These yeah. guys are going to Jackson State. They really want to play for him so i i don't think he's gonna go anywhere yeah i think there's a lot of fun ones to look at i said it to jeff but i just think arizona state there's a coaching vacancy there like the nightlife in phoenix the pac-12 at night you always have that 10:30 slot anything can happen i just love they have such a fun team over there and they just haven't been able to get anything going in a while and then i also look at auburn in the sec their head coach is probably out the door at the end of this season that's a really fun team if you can get it rolling. We've seen that team a few times in the last decade have a really good team. And when they do have a good team, they roll. So I think that could be fun. And just to touch on Cody's point, I think it's he says that. I wouldn't be shocked, you know. Sometimes you just got to chase the bag. I understand he's set, yeah, but... But he's got it. I don't, I don't I, know, man. Yeah, we could, I was going to say, like, once you put a blank check in front of him and the team is like, write whatever number you want and you're a head coach, I think that uh, that could sway his mind. I just, I just don't think that's his style, though. I think he's more about what he's doing. He's, he wants to make a difference. Yeah, well, I agree. It's just the hypothetical. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. He's he's so adamant about it that, yeah. that I don't, you can't even throw the hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I love the trust in humanity, Cody, <laughs> but you know, we'll see. Only time can tell. But with that, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to jump into NFL action. 
As a longtime supporter, Anna Bananas congratulates WASU-FM on serving as App State's college radio station for 50 years. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center presents series welcomes six-time Grammy Award nominee Yola on her Stand For Myself tour. The British singer-songwriter weaves together elements of country, pop, soul, Americana, and gospel. This is a one-night-only event. Yola, Friday, September 16th at 7 p.m. Call 800-841-ARTS or visit theschafercenter.org. Welcome back to Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. So, week three, we saw some truly shocking outcomes as four teams got their first win of the season and three Super Bowl contenders lost their first game of the season. So, which score was the most surprising in week three? Uh, To me, it's got to be the Colts uh, beating the Chiefs. In the one o'clock slate on uh, on Sunday, we talked about the Colts last week. Uh, I think that was on my show on Thursday. We we had given up on them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I threw the uh, S T I N K word in there. I, yeah, but I mean they pulled it out. Uh, the defense played very well. Even they don't have Shaq Leonard, formerly Darius Leonard, uh, this past weekend, and they still were able to to limit KC and moving the football. Um, taking a look at the numbers, uh, Kansas City did have 315 total yards, but only 58 on the ground, and then they were able to limit the big play. They did have give one long one to Juju Smith-Schuster, but other than that, they held him in check, and then they got stops when they needed to. Matt Ryan looked like the Matt Ryan that was actually supposed to start the season and play the first two games. Um, 222 yards, two touchdowns for him, so... Yeah, that that game surprised me uh, a lot. Uh, For me, it's actually the Raiders over the Titans, um, just because the Raiders opened up as a two-point, or, yeah, Titans over the Raiders. Um, (laughs) The Raiders opened up as a two-point favorite. Uh, They were 0-2, needed a win. Um, And Derek Carr has not looked good this year uh, to start the year, which has been very surprising. Derek Carr in the past has been very good. And when you have Devontae Adams, who is getting five targets, that's pretty unacceptable. And Matt Collins is going out for a 150-yard game. Like, just don't really know what the what, what to be doing there if you're Josh <laughs> McDaniels. Um, but the Vegas, they're they're 0-3. Um, and obviously in a tough division, it's going to be tough to t- kind of turn that around. So... Um, the Raiders, I know we weren't super high on them, or a lot of people weren't super high on them, but to go 0-3 with Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, um, weapons with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller on your offensive side, that's a little bit of a tough situation, so that surprised me that they allowed that to happen. Yeah, I'll go with two that have a lot to do with each other. I think one is the Colts beating the Chiefs 20-17. to A lot of people were out on the Colts, including myself, after they lost to the Jaguars last week 24-0. to 
But then they go and they beat the Chiefs 20 to 17, and then the Jags beat the Chargers 38 to 10. And the Chargers were banged up, yeah. um, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. But it's also the Chargers. I mean, maybe the Jags have something going this year. Jags look good. Yeah, they, they look good. No, I like the Jags a lot. They're improved on both ends. You can just tell that team is better coached than last year. Uh, I don't think uh, Urban Meyer was the guy, but I find I think I agree with you, Kurt. That Raiders. Uh, outcome really shocked me. I wasn't high on the Tennessee Titans. They just don't have an explosive offense. And then I just keep waiting for this Raiders team to pop. They have talent, and I <coughs> think they're a good team, but it just hasn't shown so far this season. But oh, who crossed that out? Looking on to the next... <laughs> uh, that threw me off. Looking on to the next part, the Miami Dolphins and Philadelphia Eagles are the only undefeated team. Sadly, the Giants did not join that group. Both led by young quarterbacks and newish coaching staffs, um, are either of these teams serious contenders in your eyes? I think both of them are. Um, both, I mean, it's easy to say that they're undefeated right now. So yeah, they're contenders. But both teams are very well rounded. Um, you take a look at the Eagles; they've got a, they've got a swagger to them this year. They're just they're a little bit different than before. Uh, Jalen Hurts has improved. He's got an elite target with AJ Brown. Miles Sanders looks a better looks a little bit better. Their offense is just so much more in sync. And then, of course, you take a look at their defense. They bullied Carson Wentz on Sunday. Sorry, Kurt. But that's just what happened. It is. Uh, the, the pass rush was there for for the Eagles. Um, of course, Darius Slay is a, a big-time player in that secondary for the Eagles. And then you take a look at, at the Dolphins. We know all about their offense. Tua is so much better. I don't know how he finished that game. He was definitely concussed. I'm not a doctor, but Come on. When he got up, I, yeah. there's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> he was stumbling, yeah. and I was like, oh, no. He yeah, didn't know I where he was. I don't know if the Dolphins will, will survive that investigation, but either way, their offense <laughs> looks really good. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the outside, and then defensively, they look strong. You know, they're, they're edge guys with uh, Melvin Ingram. They've got Emmanuel Ogbalt coming off the edge there as well. So their pass rush is there, and then. You know their linebackers have been good with, with Jerome Baker there, and then Xavier Howard. They've got that lockdown corner, so both teams kind of have similar builds. Um, but I think they're both going to be in, in the playoffs when we're talking about it in January. Yeah, the Eagles particularly look fantastic. Um, as someone who sadly firsthand watched the Commanders get uh, blown out by this Eagles team, uh, the Eagles on both sides of the ball. You said their pass rush was there, and they were doing it with a four-man rush. I mean, seven times on a four-man rush, they sacked the quarterback. And maybe that's Washington's offensive line being bad, but to me that was Philadelphia's front four being fantastic defensively. They barely allowed Washington to get past half field. And like we said, Jalen Hurts has took a massive step up. And when you surround him with talent, Devontae Smith has truly shown that he can be a legit wide receiver too um, alongside A.J. Brown. So they have the weapons offensively and defensively with the, led by that front four. Like Philadelphia is going to be a really solid team and they've rebuilt this team um, after obviously with Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Howie Roseman's done an unbelievable job with this Eagles team. Um, and I think Philadelphia is going to be a top two seed in the NFC come playoff time and they're a legit contender. I think they both are. Um, the Bills had lost both safeties and um, still almost beat the Dolphins, which I think says more about the Bills than the Dolphins. Um, Miami getting back-to-back wins against the Ravens and Bills looks great on the schedule. Um, Tua should not have finished out that game. Uh, but, you know, they won. At the end of the day, they beat the Ravens and the Bills back-to-back, which is really good. 
I think they're up there with the four best teams in the AFC. The Eagles, I'm a little bit more hesitant with them because they haven't, and it's only been three weeks, but they haven't played a contender yet, and they haven't played someone that, I mean, they played the Lions, Vikings, and Commanders, and I'm just not sure if I'm, if those three are even playoff teams. You're saying the Commanders yet. aren't a Super Bowl contender? Sorry, <laughs> we doing Cody. The Lions? I they're mean. not. Yeah. Um, the Lions, I don't know. I think they're right on the edge, but I'm not. I mean, they haven't convinced me that they're a playoff team yet. <laughs> um, but I do like the Lions. Like, no, I think fun. the Lions are so much better this year. Oh, yeah. They should have um, won that game on Sunday. That heartbreaking. Was... So, you know, so take all that with a grain of salt. But their defense has been great. Jeff mentioned Darius Slay has been fantastic. Jalen Hurts looks unstoppable right now. Um, we'll see what happens as the Eagles start playing tougher teams. I mean, they play the Jags, who we just talked up, and the Cardinals after that. So those are a couple steps up, so we'll see how they look against them. But right now I'm ready to say they both are very good teams. Yeah, I think I'm the opposite of you, Cody. I, I, I'm eating my words here, but I do really like this Eagles team. I wasn't high in them at the beginning of the year. I just didn't trust Jalen Hurts, but he's throwing the ball well. I mean, I have to give credit to Roseman and Nick Sirianni. They had a quarterback. They could have just moved on from him, but they played his style. They put talent around him, and it's starting to work. They believed in their guy, and it's working out for them. The Miami thing, the only thing that scares me is they're getting in a lot of these. Obviously, uh, the Bills game was a little different, but the Ravens game, I just, there's a big shootout. They have all this high energy right now. I'm scared they're going to run out of steam as the season progresses, but they both look like very real contenders right now. But let's look at a team I believe Kurt touched on earlier, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They beat a banged-up Chargers team, but they still dominated them the entire game. Uh, the AFC South looks like possibly the weakest division in the NFL this season. Are the Jaguars the favorite to win it right now? As of right, as of this exact minute, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you got. I mean, we've said it before. Got to take these results with a grain of salt. The Colts looked terrible when they went to Jacksonville, and then the Chargers. You got a banged up Justin Herbert. You've got no Keenan Allen. You've got a couple of other injuries as well for the Chargers. But man, it it's still hard to dominate a game like the the Jaguars did in the NFL. Uh, defensively, they looked fantastic. Of course, they shut out the Colts a, a couple weeks ago and then just give up 10 to to the Chargers. Only gave up 26 rushing yards to to Los Angeles on, on 12 carries, then works to a 2.2 average. Uh, they made some, some change. They got a young defense. Yeah. But, you know, it's working out right now. Uh, Foyasada Luakan, a linebacker for them, their leading tackler. He was a free agent acquisition from Atlanta. See, Devin Lloyd here had seven tackles. He's a first-round pick out of Utah. And the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, you know he's coming off the edge as a as a pass rusher, but we've I saw him in in pass coverage and it says here he has a, a had a deflection in the game. So, I mean they got young guys and they're moving them in the right spots for for right now. So, you know enjoy it while you can. I don't know how much longer it'll last. Uh, I guess we'll find out how real the Jaguars are when they play the Eagles this week. Ooh, but um. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, enjoy it while you can. It, it's fun to see these small market teams and, and young teams deliver. Yeah, I was going to say with Jacksonville, defensively, they just have a bunch of athletes, and maybe they're not the most polished guys in the world, but they're figuring out as week by week. Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd, like you were talking about, like they're first and second year guys, but they are just going out there and figuring it out. Uh, so massive respect to um, what the defense has produced so far. And 
like you were saying, um, all they needed really was probably Doug Peterson. I mean, a guy that is the complete opposite of Urban Meyer, uh, a player's coach, maybe from an X's and O's standpoint, isn't truly the best like we saw with his time in Philadelphia, but um, the players believe in him, he believes in him, and it's a special time what's going on in Jacksonville so far. Like we said, it's only three games in, so a lot can change. Um, I still think the Colts will win the division. Um, I think the Colts, we saw last year, they had a rough start to the year. This year, the first two games were rough. I think they're going to figure it out. Um, I still think, though, whoever wins this division, it's only going to take nine, maybe ten wins. Um, So I think Indianapolis will win, but Jacksonville... If Jacksonville still can produce like seven, eight wins and it looks very fun, like that's a very <laughs> successful season in their eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. On paper, I mean, they should be the favorite in the AFC South, but it's Jacksonville, so something has to go wrong, right? <laughs> but I mean, I'll stick with them for now. I do kind of, I also, I do agree with Kurt that I really do like the Colts. I think um, their game against the Chiefs looks so good. But also, Jacksonville took care of the Colts 24-0 when they played last week. So it's kind of tough. If I had to bet, I would honestly probably take the field over Jacksonville. But if you had to make me choose someone, I don't, I don't think I can. So because the AFC South is the weakest division in the NFL, I'll probably go Jags. Yeah, I mean, this Jaguars team's impressed me so far. You guys talked about the athleticism they have on the defensive end. This is what happens when you're bad for a bunch of years. I mean, you get these first-round picks, and then you realize, oh, we have a lot of good players on defense. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, offensively, they have playmakers. They've, I love it. They've made Evan Ingram look like a competent t- tight end in the <laughs> NFL. I was praying that it would work in New York, but it just didn't. And, yeah, I, I think the Colts definitely are probably the favorite uh, Preseason, definitely the favorite. And now that they've maybe regrouped, um, maybe they'll take over. And I think it's interesting. Frank Wright and Doug Peterson, uh, they used to coach together in Philly, and now they're fighting for the playoff spot. You got some, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about the Jaguars' offense all that much. The Trevor Lawrence has taken a jump. You know, not the jump to turn him into, into stardom, which we all expect. But, you know, he's playing a lot better. They've got a veteran group of receivers with with Zay Jones and, and Marvin Jones, not related, but both of those guys are, are solid players. And then they got a nice one-two punch in the backfield with, with James Robinson and Travis Etienne. They both kind of play off of each other and and serve their roles well. So, you know, it's not just the defensive side of the ball. They, they're starting to get things organized on offense as well. Yeah, and you talked about the small market team. I think it's great that they're showing these signs of progress this quickly after last season because – if you're a Jaguars fans last season, you get the number one pick, you get your quarterback, and then things just go terribly. You're probably thinking, oh, man, it's just the same cycle over and over again. But things are turning up. It looks good. Moving on to another young quarterback, the Steelers lost for the second week in a row. That offense just looks out of sync. Is it time to start Kenny Pickett, or is it too early? Um, It's, a, it's tough to say. I think this is going to be the week that you make the decision after um, you're going. You're playing at home against the Jets. You know this is a winnable game. This is not a great Jets defense, but this is when you're going to learn the most. Mitch, uh, it's it's tough to say because I think he's he's made some good plays here and there, but at the end of the day, he, there's a lot of frustration. It looks like with the receivers between him and the receivers, not so much on Mitch's side. More the receivers are are frustrated with him, but. Either way, 
yeah, this is this is a week to to tell uh, against the Jets. It's 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 getting real close now because that watching that Browns game, they had a couple of big plays again here and there, but they want it more often because they have such a good group of receivers and they have Najee Harris in the backfield. They've got Pat Frymuth at tight end as well, so got to have someone who can get those guys the ball. And if Mitch can't do it this week against the Jets, then I think you make the move. If you are content with living in purgatory, you're just never going to get to heaven. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Mitch Trubisky starting at quarterback. You're not going to be a deep playoff team with Mitch Trubisky. Um, You could potentially get to the playoffs, but I think all the credit would probably go to Mike Tomlin and the defense there. Wouldn't be on the shoulders of Mitch Trubisky. And the thing with Kenny Pickett is I'd be hesitant if it wasn't for the fact that he started four years in college and he has over 55 career starts at Pitt. And it's literally like it's Pitt and the Steelers. So Same stadium, what, yeah. yeah, right. It's like a perfect combination of the two. So with Kenny Pickett, I loved him coming out of college. Um, I, I think he's going to be really good. And at least like with Kenny Pickett, you don't know what you're getting. You're getting a much higher ceiling. Like we all know what we're getting out of Mitch Trubisky, and I think we can all agree it's nowhere close to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's time just yet. We do know, we already know that Trubisky's just the bridge to yeah. Kenny Pickett. But I am a big fan of rookie QBs kind of getting the chance to spend their first year on the sideline and learn a little bit more about the NFL because there is a big difference between it and college football. And the Steelers have a really tough upcoming few games after the Jets. It's the Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, and Eagles. And not only are those good teams, but they're also very good big defenses. And it's a question of, like, will Kenny make a huge difference to put them over the top? And is it worth putting him in harm's way to do that? After that stretch, Pittsburgh, ha- Pittsburgh has a bye week, so maybe they look it over again then. But right now I'm not sure if I'm ready to put him in. Yeah, I just I look at the receiving core they have, and I just think you got to give it a chance. If it was a worse offense, I think you give him the year. You don't want him to just come out and not play well, kill his confidence. But I think he could move the ball with this offense. I think this could be a good offense with the right quarterback. Mitch is just missing far too many throws. But real quick, before we end the show, the Broncos struggled to beat up a banged-up 49ers team. That was a rough game offensively to watch. They had 11 points in the win. Is the Denver Broncos still a threat in the AFC? Absolutely. Yes, they are. You know why? Because these are their worst games, and they're winning them. They're 2-1, 11-10 over the 49ers. It was gross. It was ugly. I wanted to throw up while watching it. But either way, they still win, and then they beat the Texans at home, which, again, gross, disgusting win. But if it's a win, it's a win. You're going to take it. And the Seahawks game, whatever, they're, they're over that now. But this offense does have a ton of work to do. Again, a lot of mouths to feed there with Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. All those guys need to touch the ball. I didn't even say Melvin Gordon, too. Yep. So they've got a lot of things to figure out. But defensively, they look very good. Randy Gregory coming from the Cowboys has been phenomenal off the edge for them. Of course, they still have Bradley Chubb. So it's hard to say that they're, that they're not because they are winning these ugly games. 
I'm going to go with no, but that's also because I wasn't high on this Broncos team coming into the year. They are still 2-1, and one, um, but Nathaniel Hackett, through a game, three-game sample size, has not looked great a head coach. His play calling has been abysmal so far. Um, and the way they are utilizing Javante Williams, like he should just be getting so much more action, um, and it kind of sucks that. <laughs> Melvin Gordon's kind of getting a lot of the workload, but they do have a bunch of playmakers. Their defense is great. On paper, it should turn out well, and I kind of guess this is going against what I've been saying, but like throughout a three-game sample size, I know it's kind of small and early to tell, but even though they are getting wins in such a tough division, I just cannot see this team like drastically improving to where I'm like, yeah, they're a contender. So I went out for dinner on Sunday night, and okay. the food I had was awful, undercooked cheese, wow. unseasoned watery sauce, and that's when I knew. Russell Wilson must be playing football tonight because somebody's letting Russ cook. Oh, yikes. <laughs> that was a long setup <laughs> the first three weeks. I enjoyed that. that was... And, like, I don't know, maybe I'm over-exaggerating. Like, it is a new system, sure. But he hasn't looked good. And the Broncos have looked worse. I think it depends on how you define threat when it comes to middle-of-the-road teams. And even some of these bigger teams. Like, I don't think the Broncos are a team that you necessarily want to face. But when it comes to making the playoffs and being a threat inside of them, I don't, I don't really judge them as a threat right now. Because they're... I mean, they had a bad loss against the Seahawks to start the season, and then two very uninspiring wins against the Texans and Niners. So I'm not sure where they're at right now. Chef Russ serving up Cody some <laughs> yeah. undercooked cheese and watery sauce. Yeah. I mean, come on. Bad. Come on, Russ. That's yeah. the worst. <laughs> I would lean with Jeff here. They're winning games, even while it looks ugly. The only question is, if this offense doesn't start clicking, questions will start being asked. Are they wasting this really good defense? They need to get it going. But for now... I still think they're a contender. But that will do it for this episode of Sports Wrap. It's been great to be here with you. But before we go, we got shout-outs. Jeff, you want to start us off? Yeah, I can do that for you. Uh, shout-out to everyone listening, everyone that I know, friends, family. Um, shout-out to everyone who's who's bought their, their merch. Uh, shout-out to them. Um, and my last shout-out, it stinks because I'm going to do it twice this week. But my dad, I will shout him out yesterday on the golf course shot an eagle on a par three aka wow. first career hole in one he wanted me to shout him shout him out for that which you know can't boost his ego too much but at <laughs> uh, first career hole in one a uh, big deal for him very impressive uh, i want to shout out cody for that uh, uh let <laughs> russ cook speech uh very funny uh shout out to you guys and shout out to all the family and friends that are listening right now uh great show as always shout out uh my friends and family listening as well. Shout out to Matt, Noah, and Riley for putting on a great broadcast with me on Saturday. And first sports shout out, quick shout out to Miles Garrett. He was in that scary car accident, but was released from the hospital this morning. Nothing too bad, which is good because it looked really bad. Yeah, shout out to all my family watching, friends watching. Shout out to you guys for putting up a great show. And a little bit of a sad shout out, but I just want to point out, shout out to Lonzo Ball. He was re came out today. He's not even close to basketball. He's still not jumping or running. He can't make it up his steps. He's been injured since January. I hope he gets back. He's a really fun player to watch when he's healthy. But with that said, that'll do it for another episode of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. You are now going to be returned to your music. Serving for 50 years as Appalachian State University's college radio station. 